Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly does continue here on a Thursday night. Not a lot going on in terms of the labor negotiation. There was a report that came out that there's been at least a little bit of communication between the two sides discussing some of the uh, non-big-ticket money items. That's probably not something that's going to be discussed until we get into January. So it feels like a stalemate to talk all things labor negotiation and much, much more, bringing on uh, one of my favorite folks to uh, talk to. Uh, covers uh, baseball and the uh, business of sports for Forbes and Forbes Sports. Follow him on Twitter at BizBallMaury. It's B-I-Z-B-A-L-L-M-A-U-R-Y. It is uh, Mari Brown. Hey, Mari, thanks for uh, taking a little bit of time with us tonight. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How about yourself? I am good. Uh, I'm. I, I always love talking to you. I wish we could be talking about the business of baseball when business is actually going on. That's not the case right now. So let's just start with this because uh, the lockout has been in place now. This is really the first time that we've heard that there's any communication, but it doesn't seem like anything of note is going to get done until January. Any surprise from you on the lack of communication between the two sides since the lockout actually got started? No, and that kind of flies in the face of what Rob Manfred did, right? I mean, at 11.59, the CBA expired, and at about 12.01, he pulled the lockout trigger and said that that was being done as a matter of trying to drive the sides together. Well, the sides haven't been driven together. I mean, there really hasn't been much of anything going on, and um, as is most of these things, right? Um, not until you really get down to a deadline um, does this sort of thing happen. And that's this has happened prior. I mean, people forget that in 2011 there was a lockout in the NFL, and it really came right down to the wire. They lost exactly one game. It was a Hall of Fame game. And um, then, you know, of course, all the movement that happened for them to get their deal in place largely happened in the last week and a half or so before – you know, games were going to be impacted, and that's really going to happen now. And there's no, for one thing, there's no pressure, I think, for the players. And they don't get paid now anyway. They don't get paid for spring training either. The owners, of course, it applies more pressure the closer you get to spring training because that's revenue for them. So um, I, it doesn't surprise me. I am happy to hear that they are working on some other things, though, and I think that that's important. Yeah, well- if they can get kind of the smaller things worked out, the stuff that they're probably pretty like-minded on, because we we spend so much time talking about the big issues, which they are completely, seemingly diametrically opposed on, but I'm sure there's a bunch of smaller issues that they basically are on the same page as. Does it make sense here in a period where there's not a lot of urgency to work on the big stuff to at least try to kind of, you know, just get your check marks next to all those other items and have that done so when you do get to that moment that you really need something done that you don't have to worry about these other items? Yeah, I really do. And for one thing, um, um, I, for, for one thing I don't, I'm not privy to what the list is, but I do know that there are some things that are on there that I really hope are going to be discussed. Man, Rob Manfred has the right to go ahead and unilaterally put pace of play changes in after giving one year's notice, he can do it. Now, he's always said that he wants to work with the players, so he hasn't really drawn that card. And I'm hopeful that he doesn't do it again because anybody that's a baseball fan that was out there watched, you know, games turned into pretty much into slogs for a while. Look, I'm all for using whatever mechanism you need to win games. 
But it becomes very difficult when your starter's only going three innings, and then we have a commercial break, and we go to the bullpen, and every time we're going to the bullpen, it just slows the whole pace of the game down. And I'd like to see something done about that. It would be great to see um, batting averages go up. It would be great to see strikes go down. Um, so there's some of that stuff. Um, one but, of those. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, just not to interrupt you, but just one of those. Um, one of those experimental rules that I think they were doing the maybe in the Atlantic League was you you have a DH, but you only have the DH as long as the starter is in the game. I don't see that coming to Major League Baseball, but I think that speaks to your point. That at least is a rule that would force teams to try to keep starting pitchers in longer in games. Yeah, it would be. I mean, we're going to see, I, I, well, nothing is certain, but I would be very surprised if we don't see the DH in both leagues. I really do. And I think that's part of the reason why we didn't see some signings potentially up to win the uh, uh, expiration of the CBA was. We had that flurry of signings, but there's still some guys hanging out there. And maybe because clubs are trying to figure out um, whether they're going to have the DH. Um, there's there's certainly that and how those rules work. Um, another thing that's out there is this wacky thing that with the Tampa Bay Rays where they're going to try and play a split season. That has to be collectively bargained. I mean, can you imagine you're a player? You basically have to have you know a residence in two countries and travel and what do you do with your kids? I mean, that stuff has to be collectively bargained. You see a lot of stuff in the news right now that it's like, yeah, we're making great progress on it. I'm like, eh, if you don't have the players sign off on that thing, that thing's going nowhere. So that's another item that's out there. There's the other stuff, you know, whether they're going to get to 12 or 14 games or 12 or 14 teams for expanded postseason. But I, I would largely lump that in the big bucket thing. That's a lot of money for the owners. And I, as I just wrote about this last week about postseason shares, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the players and whether they look to try and grab some of the television money like they did in 2020. I don't think they're going to get that. I mean, it would be it would be a monumental gift for the owners to allow that to happen. But I mean, it's just stuff they've got to talk through. It's just little tiny stuff that we, you know. And there's other things outside of that. I guess the list is about 30 long, but. Mm. Um, you know, let them let them work on that stuff. They they need to. The expanded postseason is odd because, from one perspective, you know, playoff shares and things like that absolutely should go up. But then, from the other side, when the barrier to entry goes down to get into the postseason, players are going to argue that owners are going to try less to win because if you're just trying to get into the postseason, you don't have to try quite as hard. It really is a, an odd thing where you can see advantages and disadvantages on each side. Yeah, I mean, we saw in 2020, we saw the Astros basically back in. I mean, that that's the concern, you know, that the teams won't try. And that's a bigger concern. I mean, that's a general big thing. And it should be for every fan. I mean, like you're in Milwaukee, and God bless the Brewers, they actually try. In a small market, it's, it's really a, a roadmap for every other club out there. I mean, the Rays clearly have figured it out. But you have teams like the Pirates and you have teams like the Orioles and teams like the A's to a lesser extent that have hung around and just been kind of happy doing that thing. And that's not what you want. How are you going to incentivize competition? And that is that diametrically opposed thing. Or, or you know, how is it good if a team makes playoffs 
is that good for a, a player, you know, where he, you know, increases his platform on national television? Um, does that cascade over into a contract in the next year? Yeah, maybe. Clearly, the owners are going to get a leg up on it. I mean, they're going to get all that, not just the TV money, but it will increase, you know, season ticket sales in the following season. You'll see that every time. Team, even if a team gets bumped in the wild card, they will increase their season ticket t- sales the next year. So it is a concern. I don't know how you kind of meet that. I'm sure that the players have looked closely at it and are trying to figure out how they can do that, knowing that there are some advantages for them, but still trying to incentivize some of these clubs that just don't seem to be trying at all. I've asked this next question to so many people so many different times, and and honestly, I think it's the biggest single question throughout this entire labor negotiation. Everything we're hearing is that the players feel like they've lost recent labor negotiations and they're not going to lose this one. And at the same time, we're hearing that owners have never been more united and more shoulder-to-shoulder on what's going on. So the question is... At some point, one of these sides is going to have to blink at least a little bit to really start the actual negotiation. Which side is going to blink? Well, I think the owners will. And for the reasons that I mentioned up front, I mean, you start to talk about losing spring training games. And look, it's more than just games on television, right? Which, if you, you, know, if you want to go back, for 2020 and 2021, they lost, the owners lost money due to the pandemic. And lost those games. A lot of people don't realize they have to rebate back the networks for the money that they lost, right? They're just paying, they pay for the right to have those games. When the games don't air, the, the teams have to rebate that money back. Now they can do it over a long period of time, but it's still money. And now you have gambling interests, right? There's all that that goes along with it. Players have nothing to lose. They don't get paid for spring training. So I think it puts it largely in, in the owner's court. And I would say this, I think the sides are not that far apart. I think that there's a way to make this happen. Are the players going to get all service-level two guys to enter salary arbitration and then go and be free agents after five years? No. But they could, I think the number right now is about 20% of the service-level two guys go into, into um, salary arbitration. They're called super twos. They could increase the percentage of that and make that happen. I mean, there's ways to nibble around the edges of this thing. And have the the players get something back. Um, the owners will not have to say that they took it in the shorts, but it will be a way for the sides to come together. I mean, if the owners get expanded postseason, they're getting more money. But look, the owners' national television money increases 22% next year. And that's another reason for them to do it. I mean, the money increases dramatically. And that's a card for the players to play. And then you go, look, guys, you're getting all this money. Now they can go – the the owners can go, look, the rights bubble is really about ready to burst. Streaming money will not be nearly as much as we've seen with traditional television deals. Um, but that's more than five years down the road. So I think the labor deal will be five years. I think that there's absolutely a way to make this happen that isn't some herky-jerky radical thing like the owners offered, which was you know, take the salary arbitration system completely out and use war as a way to measure players and all this other stuff. I think that there will be ways for them to meet in the middle on this thing. He is Maury Brown. You should uh, follow him on Twitter, at BizBallMaury, uh, senior contributor, Forbes, Forbes Sports. Maury, thank you so much for the time. Always love talking to you, and I hope we can do it again real soon. Yeah, have me on any time, Matt. Have a great evening. Awesome. Sounds good. There's uh, Maury Brown joining us here on uh, on Brewers Weekly. And I Look, I could talk to him for an hour about about this stuff, and – 
at some point you kind of get into the weeds, but some of the stuff isn't in the weeds. Yeah. He's right about the playoff money, and he's right about the national TV. He's right about everything he said. But yeah, the the big thing, and he mentioned the rebating back to networks when you don't get games. Well, that means if if national TV money's going up that much next year, then if you're missing games, then you're re, you're refunding, you're re, you're rebating back that much more money back. So there's there's. There's more reasons to get a deal done than there are reasons to continue the lockout and actually have a true work stoppage where you miss things of, of actual significance. That doesn't mean they'll get the deal done for sure. It doesn't. But there's there's a lot of reasons to get that deal done, and I think both sides can probably agree with that. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll tweet into the program as well, or you can tweet into the program, at Matt Pauley on air. This is Brewers Weekly.